join us for the TVO Telethon, March 23rd and 24th, and donate early for a chance at great prizes. Visit telethon.tvo.org for more information. Welcome, everyone, to the On Poly Podcast. I'm Steve Pakin. And I'm John Michael McGrath. We're on every weekday during this 43rd Ontario election campaign. Today on the pod, only one full day of campaigning left for the parties to make their case to Ontarians. Stephen Del Duca does six events in Peel Region today and another in Halton as the Liberals put on a final full-court press. Andrea Horvath takes the NDP campaign to eastern Ontario in hopes of shoring up seats there. And Doug Ford? keeping his head down today, trying for no unforced errors in the dying days of the campaign as he looks poised to win. It's Tuesday, May 31st, 2022, day 28 of the campaign. So let's get to it. Hey, John Michael, the NDP was in eastern Ontario today, making multiple stops in Ottawa, Kingston, Bloomfield in Prince Edward County, Whitby and Scarborough. Uh, The theme of the day was stopping cuts and fixing health care and Well, let me just get this out here. I must confess, I get why the NDP leader went to Ottawa. She's got a seat there in Ottawa Centre that she's protecting. I get Kingston. She won that seat four years ago. Uh, The former sitting member isn't running again, so she's trying to hold a seat with a new candidate there. But Prince Edward County? Prince Edward County. The Tories' Todd Smith won that by 8,000 votes last time, and he's going to win it again in two days. So why spend precious time in the last two days of the campaign going there? You're right. It's kind of mystifying. Uh, Smith is one of those MPPs who, you know, he won that seat in much tougher elections than this is shaping up to be for the Tories. You know, won it in 2014, held on to it there. uh, And that was a really hard election for the Tories. Unless the polls are very badly wrong, uh, this is going to be a much easier uh, election for him to win. Uh, Whitby, another seat where uh, you might uh, put that in the same bucket as kind of a mystery as why the NDP are uh, putting effort in there. Uh, they do have some strength in the Eastern GTA. Uh, you know, the the uh, MPP for uh, the seat of Oshawa was uh, a New Democrat in the last House, so not entirely a hopeless cause, but you know. Full disclosure here, uh, Lauren Coe for the PC party won it by 5,000 votes last time. So not exactly going to be a, a, an easy win for the New Democrats in any stretch. Uh, Scarborough, that makes more sense. Uh, the NDP do have a seat there. Dolly Begum in Scarborough Southwest. Uh, she is the first ever Bangladeshi Ontarian to serve in the legislature. Now, even though this election isn't over yet, uh, we have to keep saying that, it actually is not over yet. Uh, Journalists still do what they do every day on the hustings, which is ask a lot of hypothetical questions, starting with the word, if. Andrea Horvath was asked, if she doesn't improve on NDP fortunes Thursday night, will she stand down as leader? Here's what she had to say. Uh, well, Rob, what I will say is this. On, on Thursday, people will make their decision. Uh, and, uh, and what I will commit to at this point is that I will always be fighting for people. And I will always work to make life better for folks. Uh, and, uh, and Tuesday will, or rather Thursday, will, uh, uh, will be a great opportunity uh, for people to come together and fix all of those things that we know need to be fixed. Uh, and after that happens, uh, it will determine what happens next. But I will never stop fighting for folks ever. It's, it's what I did before I was elected for the first time back in 1997, I guess it was, to Hamilton City Council. Uh, And I've never stopped and I never will. It's what makes me tick. Now, that's a a bit of a 
feistier way of uh, basically not answering the question. <laughs> We've heard a lot of varieties of that uh, in this campaign. But, you know, the thing about political parties is she might not have a choice in the matter, right? If the NDP have a particularly bad night, uh, you know, certainly if you believe the polls at the moment, there's not really a shot at them forming government. Uh, the the party will also express its displeasure to her. Um, you know, we can remember back in 2014, which I, I just mentioned in the Tory context, but that was also a bad election for the NDP. Uh, and there was a lot of discussion about whether uh, Horvath would survive the um, disappointing results of election night 2014. Uh, of course, she did, in fact, uh, survive the the internal dissent within the NDP. Uh, and, you know, uh, if you're an NDP uh, supporter, you could argue it was a good thing that she did because in 2018, she led them to their best showing in a generation. Mm. Now, she's not the only leader who's getting those if questions. Stephen Del Duca has been getting a lot of them lately uh, along the lines of, now, if you don't win your seat in Vaughn Woodbridge back, uh, does that mean that you will have to resign as a liberal leader? And of course, I mean, really, what do we expect him to say? Do we expect him to say, yes, I don't think I'm going to win the seat and therefore I will be out of a job three days from now? No, of course not. But these hypotheticals are, I guess, part of the dance that the media and the leaders do. And Del Duca's line has been, I've lived in the riding for 30 years. Uh, I've raised my kids there with my wife. I go shopping there. You know, every Saturday he likes to remind us that he's an ordinary guy who goes shopping. Um, Kids go to public schools in that town of Woodbridge. Uh, parents live right around the corner. I've brought lots of good stuff to York Region. Anyway, the list goes on and on. It's interesting. He never actually answers the question directly, uh, which you would expect. But uh, these hypothetical questions are going to continue to be asked, no doubt, for the last few days of this campaign until we have a definitive answer on Thursday night as to what the seat count is. No, it's true. And uh, I I think in Del Duca's case, you know, there's the complicating factor of, you know, if he does not win his seat, uh, but does stay on as liberal leader, let's just assume that much uh, for now, uh, then he has to do the really uncomfortable thing of asking some newly elected liberal MPP somebody probably in a safe seat who thought maybe that they had four years of, you know, uh, uh, important political work in the legislature <laughs> ahead of them. Actually, the the leader needs your seat is what they're going to be told. And they'll be asked to resign uh, so that Stephen Del Duca can uh, find a seat in the legislature. And this is not an academic discussion. I well remember when this happened back in 2007, when John Tory was the leader of the Ontario PC party, and he ran in Don Valley West against Kathleen Wynne, and he lost. So he was a leader of a caucus without a seat, and his attempts to get one of his colleagues to resign to create a by-election so he could run and win somewhere in a safe PC riding did not go well. He kept asking and asking and asking, and no one would stand down. You know, obviously you want to get a seat as close to Toronto as possible, so there's a minimum of travel. Eventually, he got Laurie Scott in Halliburton, Kawartha Lakes, Brock to stand down and create a by-election, which Tory ran in and lost a very, very safe conservative seat. So you just never know how these things are going to pan out. And, uh, of course, it all worked out for John Tory. He became mayor of Toronto. And when he runs again in October, if he serves the full term, he'll be the longest-serving mayor in Toronto history. So his story, at the moment, looks like it's poised to have a happy ending. Well, I think he probably would have preferred a turn in the premier's office as as much fun as he's had as mayor of Toronto. (laughs) You are right about that. I know he would have preferred that. 
Uh, okay, here's a bit of an embarrassing moment for the progressive conservatives. The liberals have discovered that the Tory candidate in Scarborough Center, in his previous life as a school board trustee, had some rather negative things to say about, wait for it, wait for it, the Doug Ford government. Uh, this is uh, David Smith, the progressive conservative candidate in Scarborough Centre. Uh, people may recall that uh, Christina Midas uh, was the MPP for Scarborough Centre. She opted not to run again. Uh, Smith uh, slammed Doug Ford's cuts to education, warning in a 2019 community newsletter that they would leave, quote, a lasting harm to the education system. Uh, Smith also accused Ford back in the day of turning a blind eye to the needs of students and the voices of their parents and guardians. These revelations uh, and, and other revelations in the campaign about, you know, <laughs> things that uh, PC candidates have said or messages they've been associated with or even endorsements they've received from, for example, anti-abortion groups, uh, they have not seemed to move the needle at all uh, during this campaign. So uh, not clear, even if a PC leader Ford were taking questions today, uh, what he would say or what impact it might have. <laughs> Well, the PCs only won Scarborough Centre by fewer than 2,000 votes four years ago, uh, so it's a close race, and their former sitting member, as you point out, Christina Midas, is not running again. She had three kids during her four-year term. That has got to be a record. Uh, anyway, so it's an open seat, and uh, one wonders whether this revelation might hurt Smith's campaign. No telling yet. Obviously, we'll know in two days' time. Meantime, Stephen Del Duca did a big push through the 905 today. He started in Oakville for candidate Allison Goel. She is in a close race with former sitting member Stephen Crawford. So Del Duca dropped in to help push her over the finish line in these last days of the campaign. In 2014, interestingly enough, the Liberals, as we all remember, finished third in almost every riding in Ontario, but not in Oakville, where they finished actually a strong second. So this race promises to be a close one, and it's too close to call at the moment. And it, of course, gave Mr. Del Duca an opportunity to repeat his new favorite line. And above all else, you know, the only way, the only way to stop the Ford Conservatives and their agenda of privatization is to vote Liberal. Thank you very much. Uh, and then Del Duca did five events in Mississauga and one more in Brampton. We have talked all campaign long about the importance of Peel Region. Six seats in Mississauga, five in Brampton. Uh, many of them are in play every election. Uh, the 905 is uh, one of the primary battlegrounds in both Ontario and, you know, federal politics too. Uh, and you're really seeing that with the amount of energy and attention being paid to uh, Peel Region in this campaign. Yeah, Peel was very good to the Tories last time. All the Mississauga seats, all six, went to the Progressive Conservatives. And uh, I guess two of the five seats in Brampton went PC as well. So um, lots at stake, and that's why the leaders are spending so much time there in the dying days of the campaign. Um, okay, let me ask you, John Michael, what day is it today? It is hard to keep track some days, but today <laughs> is Tuesday. Tuesday. Ah, Tuesday. So now that is a day that ends with the letter Y. So that must mean that Mike Schreiner was back up in Perry San Muskoka <laughs> this morning, appearing with five-time candidate Matt Richter in his bid uh, to become the Green Party's second MPP. Now, do we have anything new to say about this? 
<laughs> I did take the opportunity of today's press conference to ask Richter if he knows what he's getting into. Uh, even if he does win his seat, which isn't guaranteed yet, uh, the polls are looking pretty strong for the progressive conservatives at the moment. So uh, the really a likely scenario at this point is that Schreiner and Richter would spend the next four years doing uh, pretty thankless work at the legislature. Uh, you know, being the, the two-man caucus of the fourth party is just not going to be tons of fun for uh, them, even if they win. Now, Schreiner is his party's leader, so it's sort of the job requirement to, to do that kind of uh, uh, thankless work. Uh, but I was curious if Richter was ready for what might be coming after June 2nd. Here's part of what he said. I, I thankless, and, and but hopefully thankful work with gratitude to, to the people in our riding and across Muskoka, uh, Perry Sound, and, and through Elmagwin. At the same time, Mike, Mike Schreiner has shown what, uh, what it takes to, to get through perhaps some of those times where there isn't the outpouring of, of support or attention, but putting in the, the hard work, that's what it's all been about for the past 15 years when I first ran in 2007. I also took the opportunity to ask Schreiner if there was any dissent among his other Green candidates for the, um, let's call it single-minded focus on a shot at winning in Perry Sound, Muskoka. You know, uh, neither of the party's deputy leaders have gotten as much attention as Matt Richter has from uh, Mike Schreiner, just as uh, two examples there. Uh, Here's what Schreiner had to say about that. This is a team effort to build the Ontario people want. And green candidates across the right across the province are very excited about the momentum, not only in their riding, but especially here in Perry Sound, Muskoka. And so we're a united party that's really excited about, you know, maximizing these last few days of the campaign. That is, of course, more or less what we would expect him to say, but I put that on the record for our listeners. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that last thing about the deputy leaders, because on debate night, Mike Schreiner did say in his closing statement, you know, remember Matt Richter in Perry Sound, Muskoka, and Diane Sachs in University Rosedale, great candidates, deputy leader Diane Sachs, she deserves your vote there as well. And all I could think about at that moment was, what about Abhijit Mane? He's one of your deputy leaders. He's running in Beaches, East York. You didn't mention him. Why didn't you mention him? Anyway, I just felt a little bad for Mr. Mane, but... Uh, that seat is not likely to go well. That seat's not going to go green on Thursday night, uh, whereas the other two seats Mr. Schreiner has higher hopes for. Now, let me add one more thing about this, and that is yesterday on the pod, we mentioned that Aaron Kelly from Advanced Symbolics, Inc., who, of course, is doing all this artificial intelligence polling uh, for us, among others, and she said that the PCs at the moment are holding Perry Sound Muskoka with a decent lead over the Greens. And a Green Party official reached out to me earlier today to say, Look, we heard the podcast, and we can assure you that our polling and every other polling outfit is saying, and here's the quote, we are very competitive in Perry Sound, Muskoka, the Greens, that is. So I don't mind saying this. Aaron Kelly's numbers are ordinarily very reliable, but they're not perfect. No pollster is perfect. Uh, for example, four years ago, she did not have Mike Schreiner winning in Guelph. So Polly, the AI intelligence, it does miss things. So we'll put all that on the record as well. Uh, polling is... Polling is really good at province-wide trends. It's not so good at really being uh, accurate for specific ridings uh, because the numbers of people you have to poll to get an accurate indication of what's going on, they just don't do that in individual ridings. You can do it province-wide, but anyway, all of that to say, um, 
we're not counting any chickens before they hatch in Perry Sound, Muskoka. And honestly, it would take uh, some of the fun out of election night if we had super accurate polling for uh, riding by riding results. I, uh, it would take some of the, the, the mystery out of the night. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Let's let some of the mystery unfold and enjoy it all together. Let's bring two programming notes to our listeners' attention. Number one, tonight at 8 and 11 p.m. on television, on TVO, uh, the agenda is going to focus on the new right-wing parties. That's the new Blue Party, the Ontario Party, and to a lesser extent, uh, some of the uh, parties that have been around on the right for a while now. I think of the Libertarians and the Trillium Party. Uh, So we're going to talk about that tonight to see... Well, why don't you uh, fill in the blanks there, Mr. McGrath, and tell people what that's all about. Sure. I think it's fair to say that uh, it's very, very unlikely that any of these parties are actually going to send a MPP uh, to the legislature after the dust settles on June 2nd. Uh, but the real question we'll be looking at is, you know, can they pull enough votes away from the progressive conservatives in any riding where it might be a close race uh, and potentially let a, a liberal and new Democrat or maybe a green, uh, sort of squeak up the middle. Now, we're not asking this question because we're journalists trying to make mischief here, although we do do that on other occasions. But yeah, (laughs) but not here. The the dynamic that John Michael just referred to actually did happen in the province of Ontario in 1990, when two parties, which normally don't attract much vote at all, uh, got quite a bit of vote in that election, and they took some votes away from the Liberals and the Tories, And that helped allow the New Democrats to win seats that they otherwise wouldn't normally have won. And I'm talking about the Family Coalition Party and a northern protest party called the Confederation of Regions Party. They gathered, or they garnered, almost 200,000 votes in that campaign. But those votes were strategically enough located so that they contributed to some very odd vote splits that allowed the NDP to win a majority government in that campaign with just 37.2%. 6% of the total votes cast, if memory serves. So we'll discuss on the agenda tonight whether that's in the cards this time round. And just as a reminder to our listeners, uh, 8 p.m. on election night, the agenda with Steve Pakin will be there to uh, review the campaign. Uh, I've heard something about this show and its host. I just, uh, I, I confess, I don't tune in that often. Uh, and then at <laughs> I hear he's overrated. <laughs> and then at nine o'clock, uh, of course, TVO will have live election coverage uh, with Steve hosting. Uh, I will be there as well, providing commentary, and we will uh, stay on the air until uh, the story is told. Uh, and then on Friday, uh, we will have one more of our daily podcast episodes to uh, wrap up the election results. And uh, after that, we will return to our weekly uh, Tuesday publication schedule for a little bit longer before we take a bit of a break in the summer. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go to the end of June, and then we're going to stop inflicting us on the people of Ontario, which I think they will be grateful for a break for, don't you? Uh, You know, we have been, uh, I don't know, I'm not sure if we've been overexposed to people, but, you know, they could use a break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the On Poly podcast for Day 28. A reminder, we're here every weekday during this 43rd general election campaign, right through to Election Day, June the 2nd, which is only two days away. JMM, we'll see you on the hustings. Talk to you tomorrow, Steve. <laughs>